The last few weeks during summer, I've been preaching on the Psalms. The Psalms is that book in the Old Testament. It's quite long. It is the prayers and songs of God's people. And we just sang words based on our sermon psalm for today, Psalm 96. And Psalm 96 is about singing. And do you ever wonder why we sing in church? We don't sing a whole lot in other settings in life, but we do sing in church. Some people really like to sing in church. Other people really don't like to sing in church. And to help us better understand the role of singing as we gather as the church to worship God, we're going to look more closely at Psalm 96 today. So I'd encourage you to open your Bibles or to be looking at the sermon text printed in your bulletin as we look at Psalm 96 this morning. I hope at least the ideas in this psalm are familiar from the song that we just sang. Psalm 96, let us hear the word of God this morning. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. And let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we give thanks for Your Word today. We thank You, O God, that in Scripture it says that Your Word is like rain. And just as the rain fell early this morning to bless the earth and give it life, we pray, Lord, that Your Word would fall on us today like fresh rain to bless us and give us life. God, I pray that You would use me in spite of my sin and weakness to faithfully proclaim Your Word, that You would go forth in the power of the Spirit with Your Word in answer to our prayers opening our ears and our hearts and our minds to gladly and humbly receive Your Word as what it truly is, the very Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we're thinking about singing today, the big question I have for us with Psalm 96 is how do we see this command to sing praises to God? How do we see that as a joyful delight 
instead of a requirement we resist? How do we see the fact that God commands us to sing as something good and not like, oh, are you serious? I got to do that? And so to do that, we're going to look at three smaller questions. I've printed them out in the outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along there. But to get to really any of the questions, we need to look at what's going on in this psalm. What, how is it structured? What is it saying? And what I want you to see is this psalm is dominated by imperatives, by commands like go, get, except there, sing, praise. Those are the commands. The three times in the beginning of the psalm, we are commanded, sing to the Lord. And those three commands are followed up with three more commands telling us what to sing. It says, bless his name, tell of his salvation, declare his glory. We're like, man, that's a lot of commands. But they start all over again in verse 7 through 9 with a threefold command to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And those three commands are followed up with four more commands about how we are to worship God. So we are not merely encouraged to sing to God. We are not simply invited to sing. We are commanded to sing praises to God about God. God commands us to sing to Him about him. And that gets to our first of our smaller questions. Why is it that we resist this command to sing praises to God? Now, we could just shut this down real quick and say sin, but we're going to dig in just a little deeper than sin because we have trouble obeying all of God's commands. But this one in particular seems really easy to resist. Why is that? Well, how often do you actually want to sing? Like, how often are you willing to risk singing, even if there's a benefit? So let's pretend that you're getting pulled over by a state trooper because you were caught speeding. And the state trooper comes to your window and says, all right, here's the deal. I've got a $500 fine here for you, but I will tear it up if you sing the national anthem right now. I think we'd be like, $500, here you go, man. Like, I'm not singing that. Like, to you, just right now in the car? Are you kidding? Like, like I like my money, but I don't know about that. Or maybe you pretend you're at Walmart on Black Friday buying all kinds of Christmas presents, and you get up to the cashier, and the cashier says to you, we got a deal going today. I will give you 50% off of your entire order if you take this microphone and sing over the whole sound system Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, some of you might just have enough Christmas spirit that you'd go for that. Not everyone, though. The idea that we should sing or that people would want, want us to sing is just ridiculous to us. And how many times in your life are you actually required to sing? Like, even at a birthday party, if everyone is gathered and singing happy birthday, you could totally just mouth it. No one's going to notice. Like, I've done it. You've done it, probably. Like, you don't actually sing it. You just kind of mouth it. You know, you just do that. That's what we do. Last week, we had the kids up here singing VBS songs. I can guarantee you there are a few kids that were kind of pushed up here, forced up here. And they're like, I'll stand up there, but you can't make me sing. And they just steadfastly stood there not singing. Because they're like, I don't care. if I, I am not required to sing right now. 
we assume singing is optional, always. That singing can be fun, but it can never be required. And yet, the Bible commands us to sing praises to God. And that weirds us out. That's not what we do. And it further weirds us out because it seems weird that God commands us to sing to Him about how great He is. That just seems selfish. Egotistical. You could even see it as kind of pathetic. The sort of thing a despised dictator would make his subjects do. Sing me a song of my greatness. And you can see it that way. And so we instinctively feel that we should not sing to God about how wonderful God is. Because if we were in God's position, we wouldn't command people to sing to us. That would just be weird. What if on Father's Day that I told my children, commanded my children, compose a song about me being the best dad and sing it for me at dinner tonight? Like, child services would call. They'd be like, "This, you can't do that. That's awful. And who would want that? Seriously, has anyone ever sung to you about you? Even just happy birthday makes people feel weird. I remember one of the great stories in our family was my father's 50th birthday. And it was a big party and all these people from church came. And unbeknownst to us, our music pastor decided to compose a song set to the battle hymn of the Republic. Lordy, Lordy, gee, how nifty. Terry, too, he's turning 50. And we just melted away. My dad just, I could see it on his face. He wanted to, like, blow up the house. Just all of you out. Party's over. Who wants that? I say all of this to reflect and have us all reflect on how instinctive it is for all of us to resist a command to sing praises to God. We are hardwired to resist that command. And so maybe you're new to church. And maybe singing songs to God is like, this is so weird. You people do this every week. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. And for whatever reason, you're just like, yeah, I don't sing. Like, I'll stand, but I'm not going to sing. Or maybe you've been coming to church your whole life, and you do sing, but you're kind of like, well, that's, that's just what we do. I, I, I need to do what people do. It's kind of a social anxiety thing. Like, if I'm not doing it, people are going to notice. So I just, let, we just do it. That's what you're supposed to do. So we sing. And so what I want us to see here is it's weird for us to sing. I hope it's obvious that humans did not invent singing to God. We would never have thought, you know what we should do? Let's compose songs about God's greatness. Like, that's not, that's not what we would do. God commanded this. God has commanded us to sing His praises. Well, why? Why has God commanded us to sing praises to Him? Well, we are given some reasons why we should sing praises to Him in verses 4 through 6. For... Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. 
He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. And so we should sing about God because He is great. He is bigger and He is better than everything else in all the world. He is worthy of praise. You see, we may have nice things to say about our favorite restaurant, our favorite TV show. We may praise our favorite musicians or our favorite sports teams. We may revere our heroes, whether they're historical figures or family members. But their accomplishments, their greatness, pales in comparison to who God is and what God has done. He is worthy of our praise because He not only made us, but He made the universe. No other so-called gods had a hand in making it. He is the only true God. And He is majestic and beautiful. It's not just that He's great and powerful. He's good. He is perfectly loving while at the same time being perfectly just. He is merciful and compassionate. He is worthy of our praise. But this makes me think of the opening scene of The Lion King. I hope you have seen The Lion King, where all the animals gather from the African savanna because the new lion cub and heir to the throne has been born. And so they gather together and the elephants trumpet and the hippos bellow and the giraffes make whatever sound they make in songs of praise to God. This lion. They sing his praises. They acknowledge this lion is the king. Lions are great. They are the king of the jungle, the rightful ruler of the pride lands. But as you're watching that as an adult, you have that thought like, don't lions eat those animals? And they're like, why would they bow down before their predator? Why wouldn't they run away? How is it good news that there's another one of them that's more mouths to feed and they feed those mouths with us? Should we not also fear a great and good God who judges? Look down at verses 11 through 13. We are told a reason why we should praise our great God. It says, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. The vision here is of the seas and the trees rejoicing because God is going to come and judge the earth. They are looking forward to God's judgment. But how can we rejoice at God's judgment? To go back to the Lion King, it's not so much that we are zebras or antelope. We are the hyenas. With the help of a rogue lion, we have tried to seize control of the kingdom after murdering the king. We have led our land into ruin so that all the animals that remain long for the return of a good king who will judge the wicked hyenas. That's our story as the hyenas. That we are sinful men and women who have rebelled against the God who is good and who made us. We have transgressed His moral commands in our wickedness. And our sin has plagued all of creation so that it longs for the day 
when God will judge us and rid the world of the corruption of sin. So how can we possibly rejoice with all of nature in singing of God's holy judgment? How can we sing about our own deserved condemnation when we will be judged? Well, Psalm 96 doesn't give us the answer, but the Bible does. And it's because the God who made the heavens and the earth showed His greatness by sending His Son down from heaven to take that judgment. Our judgment. The judgment we deserve so that we could freely receive His gracious salvation. And so we do not sing about God's greatness in generic ways. We sing about His greatness to us. We do not merely sing that God is good. We sing God has been good to us in Jesus. And we can rejoice and sing about God's holy judgment because the judgment against us has been satisfied in Jesus on the cross. The punishment for us was given to Him. That Jesus willingly took our place and died for our sins. He left the Father's glory in heaven to save us and secure us a place in that glory. It's not a place we deserve. It's not a place we have earned. This salvation was done in God's greatness and in God's goodness. And it is for that reason we should sing with great joy to our great God. Our songs should tell of this salvation that the Father accomplished through the Son. Our songs should proclaim the glory of the cross where we see God's justice against sin, but also His mercy towards sinners. Our songs should bless the name of Jesus who lived the life we could not live, who died the death we should have died and rose again to show us the life we will have if we trust in Him. And so even though God commands us to sing, it is not some cruel requirement. It's not just an awkward ritual we have to do. It is an outlet for our joyful gratitude. Look at verses 8 and 9. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. We are brought into the holy presence of God. We can bring monetary offerings, but the other offerings we bring are our songs of praise. And we are called to enter the holy courts of God, even though we are sinners. And we can do so because atonement has been made in Jesus. And so we no longer tremble in fear that God is going to smite us. We tremble with awestruck gratitude that he says, you're welcome here. I have made it possible. And that's how we worship God. Is that how we worship God? Is that how we feel when we sing to Him? Are we overwhelmed with joy and gratitude for His saving mercy? Are we delighted that a mighty God should show such mercy to us? Are we humbled by the fact that God has spared us the holy judgment we deserve? through the sacrificial death of His Son? Do we sing to God from that kind of heart? Or perhaps to ask the question a different way, what would others think of our worship? Let's pretend an outsider joined us this morning who knows nothing of God. 
And they enter our church and observe us singing praise to God. What would this person think of our God and our relationship to Him? These are questions Psalm 96 wants us to ask ourselves because this psalm is not just focusing on singing to God, but it says we sing to God in the context of all the nations and peoples of the earth around us. We see that in verse 3. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. A little later in verse 10. Say, among the nations the Lord reigns. See, the way we worship tells other people about our God. How we sing proclaims something to those around us. And so that third question I have on your outline there, what does our worship proclaim? What does our worship proclaim to our fellow believers here? What does our worship proclaim to the children among us, looking up to us, learning how to worship from us? What does our worship proclaim to those who are visiting and seeking to learn more about Jesus? What does our worship proclaim? Does our worship proclaim an indifference about God? Does the way that we sing tell others that we think singing praises is optional? Does our worship reflect a half-hearted faith? Does our worship proclaim to others that we would rather be somewhere else? Does our singing proclaim that we are doing what is socially expected of us, but I'd rather not be doing it? What is our worship proclaiming to the people around us? What is it proclaiming about God? Is it proclaiming vague ideas about some God that you can make into your own type of God? Are we worshiping God in the same way our forefathers in the faith would recognize? Does our worship proclaim that we serve a holy, severe, judging God only? Or maybe an only loving God who would never, ever think to judge anyone? What does our worship proclaim about God? Does our worship proclaim that we care more about enjoying the music or enjoying the God we are praising? What does our worship proclaim to people around us? Perhaps our worship proclaims that God will be happy if we just go through the motions. Maybe we're proclaiming that we don't really think God hears us. Does the way that we worship show that we care more about what that person next to us thinks we sound like, or that God hears us? What does our singing say about us? And what does it say about our God? What should it say about us? What should it say about our God? Well, shouldn't our worship unashamedly proclaim that there is one true God who reigns over the world? Shouldn't our worship proclaim that we will not bow before the world's idols? Shouldn't our singing proclaim that we believe in a God who will judge all the world, including us? Shouldn't our worship proclaim our only hope is in the mercy and grace of our Savior Jesus and His death on the cross? 
And shouldn't our singing be directed to Jesus in such a way that people will not only know more about Jesus by what we sing, but by how we sing it? Now, to be fair, we're not musicians. Not all of us. I'm no musician. I'm not a vocal coach. Not even part of the church choir. And I, I make sure this microphone's off when the songs are on. I double and triple check it every time. I wouldn't want to sing a solo in front of you. I was so nervous about singing my Terry Tui's Turning 50 song too. But when it comes to singing praises with all of you, to our great God, I am ready to sing with a joyful heart because our God is great. And if you find yourself lacking the joyful gratitude and heart to sing to God, then you need to remember the greatness of our God. I included this quote from John Newton. I believe he wrote Amazing Grace. Good song. He says this, When I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. You can flip it around then. God, if I'm not praising you as I ought to, then show me how I'm not seeing you as you really are. Help me to know you, to see you as you are, so that your greatness and goodness towards me so fills my heart that it overflows in songs of praise among the people of God. May we lift our hearts, may we lift our voices in praise of our great God. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you are worthy of our praise that you are worthy of our songs of praise. And so we pray that in our service today and in weeks and months to come, that you would give us the joy in our hearts to sing to you. We know singing is awkward. We know that we don't do it very often. We know that we all have a self-consciousness, but we pray, O oh God, that we would see you as the one we sing to and that our worship might testify to others of your greatness. Help us, God, to be obedient. Strengthen us, fill our hearts that we might be your children who love to sing your praises. In Jesus' name, amen.